punch trunk. The punches weren't really necessary. Maybe. They were super necessary. To episode 22 of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favorite combat sports podcast, hosted by two dudes who can't fight and know even less about fighting than they think they do. I'm your host, Lewis, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Vape Lord 3000 himself, <laughs> Adam. What is going on, man? Mate, fuck. Who saw this coming? Is all I can say. What a card. So many upsets, and even if they weren't upsets, just fights that if the winner was expected, the fight didn't go any anywhere near the way you thought it could go, but that is why we love MMA. That's why we love the UFC. And we just have – I don't even know if we can chit-chat because <laughs> Amanda Noon's lost a fucking belt. What? The, I'm pretty sure we spent five minutes just saying, this is a stupid fight, we shouldn't be talking about this, blah, 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 blah. That's oh. exactly what we did on the last episode. We could, we should, if we should plug that back in because we're just like, there's no point. I think I quote said Amanda Nunes is going to run through her like a fucking buzzsaw. Well, <laughs> well, you know wait, what? wait, let me cut you off. To, this will make you feel better. This is why I'm cutting you off on Israel Adesanya's YouTube channel where him and his mates all watch the fights and. He just sort of films it and edits them watching the whole pay-per-view. Before the Amanda Noons fight, they grabbed some incense and, like, did a sacrifice on one of their friends, pretending to be Juliana Pena because she's going to get murdered. (laughs) So we weren't quite as bad as that. But respect to Izzy for still posting that. That's fucking great. Yeah. You know what, though? Seriously, I've got to tip the cap to Juliana Pena, who's made the entire mixed martial arts media journalist fan community eat a mile of shit and just eat their words and do what everyone thought was impossible and even though by betting odds she might not have been the biggest underdog to win a belt it's hard for me and i know we get caught up in the moment and uh, you know recency bias and all of this kind of thing but it has to be the greatest upset in UFC history in terms of a title fight. Obviously, the names that get thrown out there are Matt Sarah, GSP. And I saw someone on Twitter say, yeah, for Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey. Stop it. The, we talked about this on the history show. The, 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 the odds and the, and the lines were just absolutely absurd for Ronda Rousey. But we know that betting markets don't always reflect reality because they adjust the lines to go with the money so that the house always wins there was always going to be a path for victory for Holly Holm in that fight. I could not see a single path to victory for Juliana Pena, especially after the first round. Nunes came out, looked like Amanda Nunes, beat the piss out of her, controlled her on the ground. You're like, okay, yep, 
Business as usual, she's going to come out and absolutely flatten her. Pena went back to her corner and went, don't worry about it. I got this. Came out, put a beating on her, and make no mistake about it, Amanda Nunes quit inside that cage, and she quit quickly. Now, we can only speculate as to the reasons why, what's going on in her life, all of these kind of things, but we saw a champion fold and throw their cards in and, and, and walk out of the ring. It was incredibly surprising for someone who's been so dominant, who's been considered the greatest woman fighter of all time, the greatest female combat sports athlete on the planet, and she folded like a house of cards. Yeah, it it really looked like that. It looked like she kind of just gave up, and I don't want to – I'm not going to be saying that she did because, you know, she's fucking uh, the GOAT and – a champion for so long, like eventually she's going to, to lose. You don't have to. I'll say it. I'll say it. It's fine. Amanda Nunes gave up. <laughs> all right. But first of all, respect to, to the punch drunk hosts, Lewis and Adam, for uh, admitting that they were wrong because I've heard a lot of speculate, not speculation, but I've heard a lot of people in the MMA media or just idiots on Twitter just kind of say like, just say anything other than I was wrong. So you're allowed to sometimes just be like, you're wrong. We, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. We, we were wrong, and that's why you should uh, tell your friends about us because it's just honest journalism. <laughs> big big J journalism. <laughs> but The unverified bad boys of the MMA journalism community. That's what we are, Adam. Yeah, that's, that's true. Maybe just, um, I don't know about bad boys. Uh, well, guess who got the Twitter account suspended over the weekend? <laughs> Catch me in the streets, son. Yeah, watch out, all you hoes. <laughs> Lewis called a male a hoe and got banned on Twitter for twelve hours. Twelve um, hours got sus- yeah, could couldn't and, tweet. And like it was, and it was, and it was like clear sarcasm the way. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I somewhat someone got mad, upset, and reported me, and, and I guess that's hate speech these days. But it is. We're nearly in 2022, so the level of snowflakery on the online Twitter sphere is just getting out of control. I digress. <laughs> so I was as shocked as anyone was after this this upset, but it, it just took me a little bit to realise, oh, she's still got another belt. <laughs> you know, It's not like boxing where you just lose all your belts. She's actually still got another belt to defend. And I was like... The, the rematch is obviously going to be there for her if she wants it. So I was kind of – I went from being, like, shocked and a little bit sad to just being so excited because I'm like, this means that we can see, like, Amanda Nunes come back and challenge for a belt, which is something we just haven't seen, or we're going to see a whole fresh – just a fresh era of um, the bantamweight division and either of them excite me. Yeah, it's definitely good to get something fresh into the division. And, you know, it's great for Juliana – She's going to get paid. She's going to get the champion's points on the pay-per-view on the rematch when that happens, which Amanda Nunes has already accepted uh, on Twitter, obviously. going to be some time to get that, that worked out, but she said right away. And, you know, uh, it's feel, it feels really tight that we have this great upset. Juliana comes out, shocked the world, did exactly what she said, believed in herself after the entire world ridiculed her, told her she had no chance. And already I'm looking forward ahead to the next fight thinking, oh, yeah, like Nunes is going to run through like a fucking train again, despite what we saw. Because 
objectively, and I got some flack on Twitter for saying this, objectively, it was a pretty garbage fight. Technically, it looked like MMA from 15 years ago. All, all Juliana Pena did was throw slip jabs, and Amanda Nunes stood there with her hands up, just eating them. No head movement. Just panicking. It was, it was, it was panic. It was low-level striking, which is bizarre because Amanda Nunes usually brings high level of technique. But what we saw was what a level Valentina Shevchenko is against any other female on the planet in terms of her striking right now. Because imagine putting her in there, even at 125, given the weight away. She would have carved up either of those women in the cage over the weekend. Oh, yeah. So I think that puts to bed the argument of who the best female on the planet is right now. And it's kind of sad because I think if Nunes wins this fight, you're looking for what's next and you have to get creative because she's cleaned out 35 and 45. And so the obvious is, oh, let's go back to Valentina. There was also the fight potentially with Kayla Harrison at 45. She was there in the crowd. I think if Nunes won, we would have seen her into the octagon. She would have got a word from Dana being like, yep, deal's done. Go in there. Let's build some hype. Let's sell the shit out of this. Unfortunately, you can't do that when your champion folds her cards and taps out with a very, very weak choke. She was looking for any way out of that cage. And let's just think about the comparison between a recent title fight we saw with our guy, Volkanovsky. He was getting his life squeezed out of him multiple times, breathing in through his asshole. And he kept it together went into the deepest of waters to hold on to his belt to make sure that it wasn't wrestled from his grip. Amanda basically sent the belt by FedEx with, you know, registered post and insurance to Juliana Pena. And afterwards, I've never seen this before, when a champion gets dethroned and loses their belt, she was smiling and grinning as the belt was put around Juliana Pena, walked out of the cage and was like, yeah, whatever. She did not seem to care. And I don't know whether it's, she just wasn't in great shape. Of course, we know she had COVID. There was delays at that. But I find it hard to believe her team would have let her take the fight if her cardio was truly seriously compromised in terms of the levels she was putting out. Now, was she cheating herself? Was she taking shortcuts? Only she knows that, maybe her team. Was she too comfortable at home? We know there's a whole narrative now. Surprise, guys, if you didn't know, Amanda Nunes is, Amanda Nunes is, is, is a mum now. If that hadn't been... 95% of the fucking content that the UFC put out for the last few fights she's been involved in. It's like, we get it. You, you, you know, you had a kid. Congratulations. Um, shout out to Julia. The UFC is well. woke, bro. You know that. Yeah. The UFC is woke. Yeah. No, the, 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 the shout out to Julia and Penny though, who said in a press conference and of course, the way the world is and the way the media likes to take things and run and twist narratives, they took what she said as a shot or some kind of slight at Amanda Nunes. And all she said was, I'm the first woman to give birth to a child and win, win a belt, which is an objectively true fact. There is something that happens to the female body when it goes through all of that, the, 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 you know, the uh, effort, the energy, the trauma of carrying and delivering a baby, going through childbirth, and then getting herself back into championship-level shape. You have to respect that. We were talking about it before. It was the same thing when Serena Williams uh, you know, played. She won the Australian Open while she was pregnant, had the baby, came back and continued to play at an extremely high level. That shit's absurd. No man is doing that in their professional career. 
Um, although having said that, 2022 men can have babies too. Um, so that's all it was. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a crack at Amanda. It was. It def, it, it wasn't. But of course, it was twisted like that. And then people were saying, "Oh, is Michael Chandler not a father for adopting a child?" And you're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" No one was invalidating anyone's motherhood or father. Motherhood or fatherhood, right? It was just a simple statement that she'd taken time off to have. Biological birth, excuse me for, for being all crazy here, throwing terms out like biological birth, like, aka having a kid, just, you know, shout out to Juliana Pena. I hope she, I hope she milks this bitch as much as she can for every cent she can get out of the UFC, set her and her child up for life, chase down all the promotions and, 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 and really make Amanda come to the party on her terms where she wants to fight as much as she can get out of the UFC, ride this gravy train, make Amanda wait a year, make her wait and, and, and go on promotional tours, wave that belt around, do public speaking events, getting paid 30 grand a clip to go and tell kids, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, whatever. Ride this gravy train, Juliana, because you earned it, you deserve it. Get that paper, girl. Yeah, look, who would have thought we were going to do 13 minutes on the uh, Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena fight? And credit to both of them for uh, allowing that because I think we spent two seconds talking about their fight in the in the preview and then five minutes just saying how much Amanda Nunes is going to bash the absolute piss out of her. So how good, but we can't I, – I can't go any longer without talking about the main event, man. Charles Oliveira, holy yes. shit. He looked phenomenal. He he really did look great, and he's now validated himself mm. as the legitimate 155-pound champion. Mm. We talked about this. Even the UFC put up a poll and said, who's the best 155er on the planet? And over 50% of the votes had Dustin Poirier as the best 155er, despite the fact that Charles was the champion. And we talked about this, obviously, on the previous show. And I said that people are starting now to sleep on on, um, on Charles. And if you take a fine-tooth comb to Poirier's resume, this legendary resume that had been talked about, if you really get into the granular details and pull it apart, it isn't necessarily as elite as it might you know, be at first glance. Poirier came out. He looked good. For some reason, Charles just forgot what head movement was. It was crazy. Same thing as the Dustin, Chandler fight. Yeah, Dust, Dustin came out and, and just threw straight punches. And the number of times you saw Charles's head go flying back. Yeah, like, it was like Rocky dude, Four when you just yeah, got 50 dude, jabs just, in the first round. Move, <gasps> move your head off the yeah, move your head off the center line. Just slip a little bit. But the one thing he consistently did in that first round, which kept him in it a little bit, I think. Even though I, you know, I think we could say Dustin won the first round. He dropped him a couple of times. The clinch work and the knees and the elbow and the teep kicks from Charles Oliveira were brutal. And I think he got some money in the bank in that first round, even though he lost it, damaging the body and taking the wind out of Char- uh, out of um, Dustin Poirier's sails. And I think that was maybe a contributing factor to then what we saw in the second round. Poirier flat on his back closed guard, refusing to let Charles advance his position because he didn't want to get his back taken, which I completely understand, but he gave up all of the momentum and you have to potentially wonder 
was he gassed a little bit from some of the from, from some of those shots and didn't quite have the explosiveness that you need to get up off of your back with a high level grappler like Charles Oliveira on top of you? Yeah, it was like there's always when someone does a standing fucking choke like that. There's always a a couple of moments where you're like, why didn't Dustin do this? Why didn't Dustin do that? But like when it's someone at the level that Charles Oliveira is at with jiu-jitsu, it's, you know, that Charles Oliveira is also ready for you to do all of the obvious things that you're going to try and do. Right. And he's just going to go bang, 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 and just counter all of them instantly. And it's, he, I'd have to go back, but he, he might be my favorite jiu-jitsu artist that's ever been in, in the UFC. The way he, once he gets a hold of you, he's like a leech. He's just stuck to you, and if, and if you move, he'll move with you. He'll he'll wrap around you. He'll do anything but let go of you. And it's not like it's so like it's like majestic to watch nearly because it's not like it's all power and grit and just brute strength. And he just you know smothers. Oh no, you. he's he's just technically oh, perfect. It is fucking so good to watch, and he's one of the one of the few fighters. Where you just go, I hope this one goes to the ground, or like I hope, it, I hope, I hope they get grappling because this is going to be fucking magic to watch. And and he and he just finds a way to like. I think he does have the most submission finishes ever, doesn't he? And he already had it before yeah. this, but um, yeah, I think he just added onto it. Yeah, good on him. Like I, hope, I, I kind of hope he keeps doing it because we saw him knock out Chandler. Like we've seen that he can do that. So, you know, you don't have to prove yourself He's at all. Correct. He's so well-rounded and it's his striking that, that sets that up because we've seen other guys who have as good, probably better, better. levels of yeah, jujitsu. I'm, sure. I'm not the right person to grade that, but like Damian Meyer was renowned as being just world, world-class champion jujitsu player outside of the octagon. But we know his striking was appalling and it took years for it to even get to like passable level charles is technically perfect with his, his striking as well and the way that he can transition and close that range and make you make you not want to stand at range with him because of his of, of his flying knees his teeps his long snapping uh punches so you're like well i don't want to be on the outside of him because i'm going to get pieced up here and if you get in close you let him get in close for, for a bit of breathing room, you try to try to work on him. He's just going to get his hands on you and he's going to stick to you like a leech, as you said, and it's, it's, it's game over. And from a tactical point of view in this particular fight, I understood what Poirier was doing, right? He said it in the Khabib fight. He was too rushed. He should have just taken the round off, lost that and come back and started again. However, he just delayed the inevitable and he handed over a pile of momentum to Charles, gave him all the confidence in the world, and it was over. And I just don't think completely conceding a round to your opponent, being on the bottom, getting gassed, you know, feeling that inferiority and completely conceding defeat in that facet of the fight, I just don't think it's a wise thing to do strategically. He he got choked out anyway. He may as well have just got choked out, given up his back, trying to trying to get back and, and and make a fight out of the second round, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. I feel like Dustin will be watch like if uh, he might not have watched it again, but he would just have moments going through his head like, oh fuck, I probably should have done that. Oh, fuck, why didn't I do that? It was one of those yeah. fights where the, the the loser would have just been looking back like, oh, but I feel like that happens in nearly every submission finish because it just you just feel yes. like, oh fuck, how did they get me? 
but um it's the easiest it's it's the easiest to look back and and sort of it's the easiest to look back and like post-mortem diagnose monday morning quarterback the fact you know oh i just if i had done that i would have been okay it's just it's just one of those things that it happens in 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 the moment of the fight so yeah so what do you think about dustin i don't know sorry if i cut you off if you're still talking no 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 about the fight I had this like weird theory in my head that like Dustin's just been through so much shit that I, I I thought he might get the belt and just retire, and then he he seems like very unmotivated. I know he just lost a title fight, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't fight in the UFC again. Massive call, but I don't know. I feel like it's just yeah. So he's done it. Like he's just been like he, in a weird way. He's done everything. I know he hasn't got the belt, but it's just like he's been through it. You know, can he get himself up again to go for another title run? So I was just that was why I was going to ask you. As I was going, what's next for Charles? Well, we know what's next is next for Charles. It's going to be just engaged. That's yeah. all, all but done. That's oh my goodness! Oh, like what Gage insane fighters can be. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Right. I was just going to put it to you, put to you, like what's next for, for Dustin. And so obviously you've, you've got this take, you've got this theory and of course he's going to be disheartened, but he's gone through this level of heartbreak before multiple times and he's been able to pick himself back up. And I think he'll take some time off. He'll get himself right mentally. And we will see Dustin back because he's still so. one of the top three or four lightweights on the planet. But I think it's maybe time for, the UFC to give him maybe a bit more of a favorable, not like a gimme matchup or a favorable matchup, but something that's going to, going to sell and something that you, what do you think? It's just not a massive uh, performance. It's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. That is exactly what I was going to say. That would be a hell of a fight. A hell of a fight. Yeah. Not an easy fight. Chandler still needs like six months off to let the swelling in his brain come down. But yeah, that would be, that would be a fight to make. That would be a really good fight to make Yeah, for, uh, for, for, for Poirier to come back. Um, so we, we know now let's look at the landscape of this lightweight division. Yeah. Champion and number one, Justin Gaethje, Dan's partner. They're going to go number three and four. Benil Dariush and Islam Makachev are going to, going to figure out who's the best uh, grappler at 155 or the best, uh, you know, <laughs> One of the best grapplers at 155. Then we've got we Tony there. Ferguson. <laughs> Tony, Fer- Tony Ferguson, who's just announced or seemingly put up a, a post that he's got a fight sorted. The UFC put up the El Kukui bat, bat signal to, to call him back. So he's probably got a fight. I'm curious to see what that's going to be because what, what, what do you do here? Dan Hook is now oh, going down to... To, no, oh, we know Dan Hook yeah. is going down to 45, mm. so he's going to be pulled from the lightweight wank, rankings soon enough. Connor's not active. Maybe, maybe you see Tony Ferguson and, and Raphael Fiziev after his spectacular performance against Brad Rydell. Maybe that's the next step up for him. I don't know what Rafael Dos Anjos is doing, but maybe you give him and, uh, and Tony Ferguson um, a, a, a run there. It's, it's an interesting one, so I'm very curious to see what the UFC is doing Connor. with Tony Ferguson. They wouldn't be announcing Connor anytime soon. Like it's miles away. It was still six months away, at least seven months before and Connor, Connor is, comes back. He's probably 200 pounds right now. <laughs> well, he said he was 190. He's thick, <laughs> thick and juicy. Jacked. Like he's not like he's fat, but it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not fighting at 155 in the next three months. Any, any, 
anytime soon. Exactly. And he's obviously, of course, being Connor throwing out his cheeky shot, like, when am I fighting Charles? Like, come on, dude. Let's just let's just calm down. Let's try and get a win at 55 for the first time in the past fucking five years, maybe. Let's just focus on that. Like, I would love nothing more than, like, you know, a great comeback story, add into the legacy of Conor McGregor. He comes back, strings, puts together a few good performances and fights for the belt. That would be amazing. It'd be great for the sport. The revenues would be through the roof. The narrative, the content, incredible. If but I was Dustin, fuck- I'd, fight, I'd just fight Conor again. Just wait until he's ready. If I'm just all Dustin has is something to lose against Connor because right but now he's not gonna lose. I don't know. Maybe you think he would lose? Well, I'd like I'd like to see him, you know, go into a you know what happens round if he without, loses without a snap it's, leg. It's two all. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the thing that you can easily make. It's just one one one. He snapped he, he snapped that leg. Yes, Dustin was probably winning that first round, but the the ground and pound wasn't really doing much. And then Connor snapped his leg. And I try not to sound like the biggest Connor apologist or dick rider. He lost the fight, but you know <laughs> there is still there is still a path where where Connor can win that fight. And he had Dustin rocked. Um. As you said, what's Dustin's motivation levels like? The Connor fights were a pit stop for him to make some cash on his way to the title. If he feels like he has no shot at winning the title, how motivated is he? If he's just coming in for money, Connor would be highly motivated to come back with the war of words, with the with the humiliation that he suffered, all of that kind. Of, I'm just, I just yeah. don't think it's a guarantee. I just don't think it's. I don't I'm, think I'm it's already a giggling just thinking about that pre-fight again. Fuck. Say what you want about Connor. It's it's pure entertainment. Love yeah, him or it's, hate it's him. It's the peak. The television. That's that's exactly what it is. But there's it's very top heavy that division, isn't it? Once you get down, it to is like because nine, once you 10, get to like like under Connor, even, it's like I was going to say even even out of the top five, you go man. A lot of these guys are True. probably past their prime or don't have the quality to break into that top five because pretty much on any given day you could make an argument for any one of those guys to, to, to win the belt against one another. Makachev is obviously the wild card, and we haven't seen him matched up against someone with the takedown defense capabilities of Gaethje and Chandler or the ground game of someone like Darius or Oliveira. But outside of that, you go, yeah, man, this Poirier could have finished Oliveira in that first round. The, 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 the chance was there. Chandler could have finished Oliveira in that first round. Chandler could have beaten Gaethje if he was just a little bit more savvy and, and, and not hell-bent on giving us one of the greatest fights we've ever yeah. seen. And Gaethje could have beat There's, Dustin and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, you're right. Exactly. You are right. Exactly. It's just it's just crazy up there. But then once you get past it's like, oh, Dos Anjos, Ferguson, past their prime. Hooker doesn't have a path in that division anymore. Connor has has won one fight at 55. Like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot, a lot... A, a lot of question marks in, in the middle to lower half of that division. Yeah. But I think we both, we, we're both desperately excited now for Oliveira against Gaethje and we wait and see what Dustin does. And I think given the number of fights he's had, the performance he's put on, just let the man rest up, enjoy that money down in the swamp, uh, 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 spend some time with his family and, 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 and come back when when he's ready if in fact he is ready but let's move on now because there's some other fights that we need to talk about kai cara france you legend Holy what a performance absolute dynamite in those tiny little childlike hands because my goodness he flattened a natural 135er in cody garbrandt the former champion 
in Cody Garbrandt and looks sensational while he's doing it. And that's exactly what we talked about on the previous show. Cody Garbrandt is a chinny SOB and he was drained himself, took away all that muscle. And it was quite evident to see they had a game plan, land on his chin and he will go to sleep. And that is exactly what happened in this fight. Yeah. And like we knew Cody was cutting the weight, but he, he looked very skinny at the weigh-in, but like he looked quite healthy. He didn't look ghostly white or like he didn't look terrible at all. No. And he looked he's shredded, done the obviously. In the right way. Everything seemed to be but going he, well. He looked fit when he entered the octagon. And I'm like, I was kind of like, fuck, this could be this could be a whole new era. Like a whole little like second win for Cody Garbrandt. Fast forward four minutes, <laughs> basically, and uh Kai Kara Francis is standing on the cage and um New Zealand erupted because that was another just huge upset. But was it an upset or is it just the betting markets again? Because, you know, like you pretty much called that. I wasn't, wasn't just a lot. A lot of people did this because Kai has got dynamite in his hands. He's uh, a very good striker and, and Cody can't buy a win. And he's just, he's taken a lot of damage, man. In his last six fights bearing in mind he started his career undefeated in his last six fights he's gone one and six and in all of his losses bar one he's been knocked out that's not good that is not 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 good for someone who is a champion and i think let's we'll talk about cody garbrandt and and what's next and and all all of that but in terms of let's just stay and keep the spotlight on mr Car yeah, frontier yeah. just for a moment because brilliant performance now where does that put him in terms of the division here at flyweight he's ranked number six um i'm not sure i'm i'm not sure how he hasn't moved in the rankings after that and i'm assuming it's because um the the, the guard ramp wasn't wasn't ranked at uh, 125 but he's he's not ranked at 135 either, so I'm not really sure what is going on with the rankings He's there. He's RIP. He's yeah. finished. But you have to, you have to put him next in line to, to 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 fight for the title. I'm sorry, we already talked about this. Alex Perez ranked number four, who's fought for the belt and lost. His fight was pulled from that card. I think his opponent, his opponent, um, I think it was Matt Schnell, pulled out of the fight for some reason. But he was fighting on the fight past prelims, not in the main event in the spotlight against the former 135-pound champion, the UFC was using this to either spring, springboard Cody Garbrandt into a title shot at 125 uh, to spice up the division. Kaikara France became a star last, uh, last night over, over the weekend, yeah. and he deserves, he deserves that title shot. He's talking about New Zealand and all this kind of stuff. Honestly, I wouldn't be waiting around for that. I don't think it's going to no, happen no, anytime no, yeah. soon. Get, but if I was here, I would be chomping at the bit. Get that in there. The only other thing is, is you know, if he gets offered an interim belt or something, if some kind of delay happens, you take that fight, you become the interim champion. Now, Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueredo are going to figure things out in the trilogy uh, at the turn of the new year. Kaikar France could be ready to go in three or four months' time, depending on how that fight goes. You take that fight and you fight for the belt, son. Oh, yeah, and um, how fucking amazing would that be if he just becomes a champ? Like, so much, once you get in that top echelon of any division, so much of it, and Dana White always rants on about it, it's timing. Like, timing is everything. And, like, yeah. 
that KO is just couldn't have been better timing. The perfect, he's on the main card on a massive pay-per-view at the end of the year with a huge name. Everything was just, that was the, if he was ever going to get a first round KO, that's fucking exactly when you needed to get it. And the, the title shot just beckons now. He might not get it the next fight, but he could. He fucking could. And um, if he doesn't, like you said, interim title or that, that contender fight anyway. So congrats to you, Kai Kara, you know, our neighbours over there in New Zealand. That country would have gone ballistic. Yeah. Um, Sean O'Malley. So, so awesome. Uh, before, before we go into Sean O'Malley, I want to I wanna, uh, talk Cody Garbrandt's future and also Dominic Cruz as well because – those oh, two yeah, let's do that together. Good call. Names are intertwined forever. I think Cody Garbrandt seriously needs to take some time off. Maybe just train for a while, not consider a fight. But after that many knockouts, he needs to go back to 35. Staying down at 125 is, is yep. stupid. I don't think that's a good good decision. But he needs to take some time off. And, you know, he's only four top guys. Like, really, really some of the top guys in the division. Everyone was talking about Rob Font being able to potentially put it to Jose Aldo recently. So lost to Rob Font. He lost to Pedro Munoz, who fought Dominic Cruz. We'll talk about that. And lost twice to TJ Dillashaw in the 135 division. Outside of that, he had a very good career. But what, what I think is really, really interesting about Cody Garbrandt is he was essentially built in the Team Alpha Male lab to be the puzzle that solved, sorry, to be the, like the, the answer to the puzzle that was Dominic Cruz. Because no one else could do it. Uriah Faber couldn't get it done. TJ Dillashaw, I know he you know, left Team Alpha Male, but he was from that stock as well. It was a point of gym pride and necessity that someone from Team Alpha Male was going to beat Dominic Cruz because Uriah couldn't get it done, the leader, the, 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 the patriarch of the gym. And that was a big rivalry, a really big rivalry. And they saw the athletic ability and the gifts that, Cody Garbrandt had, and I think they just trained him specifically. Everything they did was to beat Dominic Cruz. And he did that, and he became the champion. And it was like, well, after that happened, it was kind of all over. And he just got absolutely flattened twice by TJ Dillashaw. Now, I, I can't remember at that point whether TJ was 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 juicing or not, but by the by, he got he got absolutely he got absolutely murked after being the only person. The only person, really, who's solved the Dominic Cruz mystery at this point, um, you know, there was the hemp, the old, back in the day, early WEC loss to, to to Uriah Faber. Cruz, he's you know got that back with with a pair of wins, and then you had the, the loss to, to Cody, and then the, the Sem- Henry Cejudo fight, which to this day Dominic Cruz will tell you was stopped way too early, and what we saw. In this fight over the weekend, is Pedro Munez might tell you that as well. That yeah. Dominic Cruz can take a punch, and because of his extremely high-level conditioning and durability, he can bounce back from adversity. So, I know we sort of rambled on a lot here, but Adam, what do you think is next for for Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz as well? For Garbrandt, I I really don't know. Like, I guess he just fights someone else at flyweight, but Dominic Cruz was one that caught me by surprise. I kind of thought, uh, maybe you just should 
stick to commentating, man. Just go out in the sunset. Like everyone remembers you pretty in a pretty positive light. Like you don't want to be the guy that just loses and loses and loses. Like some of the greats have done that. But he fucking won. So <laughs> so he proved me wrong. And then and he didn't just win, man. Nah, he, he looked, looked good. as good as ever. I forgot how like, unorthodox good. he is. He's so unique. He's, he's so interesting he's to watch. Crazy fun to watch. Fascinating to watch. And after he got timed with one shot and then got caught backing up, he came out and put on a fucking clinic yep. in striking against Pedro Munoz. Embarrassed one of the best guys in the division with dynamite hands. Just looked sensational. And because of the injuries and all the time off and the the, the, the pain that he's gone through, and you know, he could, maybe should be, recognized as the greatest bantamweight fighter ever well his his re- his resume is out of control good he's beaten everyone except Cejudo everyone and of course Cody Garbrandt as well but he will get that back in a heartbeat if he ran that fight back my goodness he's six years older and he would put a beating on Garbrandt if they ran that back yeah I think um you just give him one more fight and if he wins that fight he gets a title shot again nearly just because of his history, just because of his history. You know, most people probably not in, in this pretty stacked division, but I think he, he earns it, you know. I honestly wouldn't be fucking mad 100%. if they gave him one now. <laughs> 100% agree. I, I think in 2022 we see Dominic Cruz fight for the belt and Ooh. it would not shock me, would not shock me at the end of 2022 if Dominic Cruz is the Bantamweight champion. It wouldn't shock me. And he, I think he would become the only person to win a UFC title on three separate occasions because that would be the first time he was stripped. He came back and he won it again. He um, fought and lost to Cejudo for the title. But if he could do it against Peter Yarn or, let's be honest, probably Peter Yarn, that he would have to go down as the, to the best band weight ever if he was able to do that. Now, that's a tall task. Jan is absolutely incredible. But Dominic Cruz, man, presents a puzzle like no one else does inside that division. He presents a serious, serious problem. And at 36 years old, as long as he avoids any more serious injuries, he's got lots, lots left to give because there was a long time when he was inactive. He wasn't racking up the miles. He wasn't taking the shots. He's a relatively young 36 years old. And if he can go another year moving and, and, and fighting the way he did over the weekend, there's no reason why he can't be a legitimate threat to the 135 crowd. 100%. And I'm, I am here for that. How good would watching Dominic Cruz and uh, Piotr Jan for the champ be? It'd, be? it'd be amazing. And looking at this division, right, we know uh, Sterling is the paper champion or, and Jan is really the champion in waiting. That has to be run back at some point. All of the signs are trending towards Jose Aldo against TJ Dillashaw. You're going to let one of them kill each other at the top of the division. So good. The question, the question is for Cruz, what does he do? Rob Font is coming off a, a, you know, a pretty ending being one-sided loss to Jose Aldo. So is Corey Sandhagen, who come off a razor-thin loss to, to, to to uh, Peter Yarn, everyone's saying that's the fight to make. And I think that probably makes the most sense. Yeah, and I think so. That'd be so good. So good. It'd be awesome. The only, you know, the, the Sandhagen is a huge 135er. 
And that's the only thing I think Dominic Cruz, I think he might be able to overwhelm Dominic Cruz with his, with his size and his length. But that's those two unorthodox strikers coming at each other from all kinds of angles would make for one heck of a matchup. That could be a headline fight. You could, we can even get basically a mini bantamweight tournament going here because lurking in the, in the wings is Marab as well. Who's, had that amazing come from behind win in his last fight. He's getting all kinds of, of, of gas and hype. So there's plenty going on at 135 in this division, not to mention your man, Mr. Sean O'Malley, the former unranked champion of the world, now ranked number 13 O'Malley. after a blistering, blistering O'Malley. performance yeah. over um, um, Paiva. He looked great. He looked really, really good. Uh, he just get he gets he gets all the fucking praise he deserves. Though. Like I don't want to be here talking him up, talking him up because everyone, any of you guys that are fans, know like everyone that won't stop talking about fucking Sean O'Malley, even when he's not fighting. I don't know, man. I've seen there was a lot of um, traction on Twitter, and I know it's not necessarily a true measure of what the conversation is but it's a big part of it the social media attitude was a lot of people saying sean o'malley's overrated sean o'malley's gonna get clipped sean o'malley yeah but that's what we need to see we need to see him fight just a higher rank thing to shut down but how could you how how could you watch him in any of his performance go oh yeah he's a you only need eyes to see how he can move how Friggin' fast his hands are. The combinations he put together Precise to end the too. fight were magical, precision, elite striking. Just technically beautiful. Yeah, 100%. I think people, they either believe the hype or they they see hype and just reject it. You know, they don't actually, they don't, they don't analyse anything or bother like looking at it that's objectively. It. Yeah. And that's just... Oh, that's Twitter, I guess. <laughs> but um, that, you have to have a take. Twitter. You can't just sit on the fence on Twitter. And um, I, I disagree with them. Obviously, like he's a fucking clearly skilled fighter. But we we do need to see him prove himself against the better opposition more and more and more. Yeah. And he's going to get paid. And I just I can't fucking wait. I can't wait. He's ranked now, ranked thirteen finally. And uh, let's go. The sugar. Hopefully, there's you know three, four fights in a row where he just goes up, 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 and who knows that fourth fight could be a title shot because he does have that potential. Yeah. yeah, he's probably he's probably like three good fights away, and the question is what what are they going to do with him? Because Dominic Cruz is looking upwards. There's no way at this point after that performance he's looking down at Sean O'Malley. I also think Dominic Cruz probably wins that fight, and the UFC isn't trying to derail. O'Malley and that's part of the problem with giving him the Marlon Vera fight as well trying to get that 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 one back if he loses that again whew, good luck trying to try, trying to rebuild him and if he gets the win it's kind of like well he was quote-unquote supposed to do that so I don't necessarily think that's a great move for him but you're like okay so 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 what do you do with him I think it's unfair to feed him Pedro Munoz because I think we basically see what Dominic Cruz did to him I know they're not exactly the same style a fighter and they, they move in different ways. But in terms of their overall approach of an understanding of range and getting in and getting out without getting hit and, and using timing and speed, there are some similarities there. It's, it's an interesting one for O'Malley. There's, yeah, I, I really don't know what to do with him. I don't want to see Frankie Edgar fight again. That's something maybe the UFC might consider, 
pairing up against someone who's got a good wrestling base to see if he can 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 you know solve that puzzle. That could be interesting. But this, yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious to see what they do here. Very curious. Yeah, it's so exciting. But uh, I'm ready. I'm just ready for him to fucking fight someone better, and I cannot wait. But the hype train's there. The hate train's there by the sounds of it. So who doesn't want to see him fight again? And hopefully we can see him fight fairly fucking soon. Like, um, Yeah, he didn't take any damage. He, no. he can turn around real quick. Yeah, and, and there was a stage there where he was so keen to just fight, 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 fight because he wasn't taking any damage. So I hope he's kind of in that mindset again, you know, um, unscathed and just ready to, ready to go for war. Just any matchup that's above you in the rankings, take it. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be really great if we can see that. Now, uh, someone else who was unranked and has now forged their way into the rankings of their division, Mr. Bam Bam Tai Tuivasa, the Thunder from Western Sydney. Holy Woo! shit. He looked brilliant. And was, oh, it was an ugly KO, man. Bro, he sent he sent Sakai to like there's the shadow realm and then there's like the sub shadow realm below that and he's lurking somewhere at the depths of the sub shadow realm. Thank God, two of us does a shoey and the cameras just go to it. You know, like if he was doing just laps in the in the octagon, like he was just lifeless for. I don't know how long in in that octagon. Some kid would have been like, "Hey, mum, look a dead body." And uh, it probably it might have been a dead body for for a minute or so, but yeah, it looked like um, he was kind of knocked out. But you know how those heavyweights can just take a shot where they can kind of be like pretty much out, but still kind of standing up or leaning on each other. Yeah, and that's what it looked like it was happening. So I think he was ninety nine percent out before that last connect that last one connected, and then he just flopped. He just fell like a. Like it all of his bones fold, exited, exited in his on body. him. Yeah, yeah. It was just like he just bizarre. got turned to jelly. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and apparently, because Ty, I was listening to the Fight Disciples podcast, one of my favorite. Shout out to them. Yeah. Apparently, Ty has been training out in Dubai at a great gym out there, and that was the best we've ever seen. He was in good shape for a boy of his size. His hands looked tighter and faster than ever. But what really impressed me in the first round was his output and his work and his willingness to be engaged in the clinch up against the cage. Um, that I think that was another wrinkle to his game that we've seen. Now, are you going to give him Curtis Blades? No, he's just going to end up on his back for three rounds and that fight's going to be boring as shit. But like many heavyweights in the UFC, there aren't many who could do that. The fight I think you need to make, I want to see, is Rosenstrike against Taito Uvasa. Let's see who's got... The, you know, let's add some some just throw dynamite in a cage yeah. with some C4 and, and a nuke for, for good measure and see what, what happens because those two dudes would come forward and, and, and throw leather. Rosenstrike isn't going to try and take him down. I think that would be a hell of a contest and there's no reason why Ty can't win that and propel himself into the upper echelons of the division. With these young heavyweights they've got now, Chris Dorcas is getting Derek Lewis in the next event. You've got Tom Aspinall, who's been given, I think, Shamil Abdurakimov, and you've got Tai Tuivasa, these three young heavyweights who are just murking everyone in front of them. Keep them separate. Get them into the top five or six, and my goodness, the future of the UFC heavyweight division is looking seriously fun. 
Yeah, it does, and and it it really was so it was so exciting to see two of us uh, um, have so much improvement. You know, leg kicks and stuff as well. He he looks a tiny bit trimmer, I reckon. He looks a bit fitter, and yes, I love that. I love that man. Like a lot of those guys, are just rely on the power, get their fifty k bonus checks and their pay, and just ride off into the sunset with a pretty fucking good UFC career. And it looks like he's like, you know what? I could probably do that in my sleep. I'm gonna I'm gonna go even further, and good on him. I think. He has this party boy attitude, and, and he definitely is one of them. But that's definitely just like it's it's also like it's, he hides all the a, hard work that he does. Like yes, and people yes. people just it's a bit of a persona, and people does. just love it. Yeah, yeah. He's I almost guarantee when he's out there in in Dubai training his ass off, he's just not he's not sinking tins all day. He's yeah, of course. he's grafting. He looked he looked the leanest, the fittest he's ever been, and that showed in his in his output, his ability to work in the clinch game. Have had that big boy leaning on top of him, but also the speed and the snap he was able to have in his hands. If you're not in shape, you can't do that for for you know more than a few punches at that size. So really, really impressive to see. Yeah, exactly, and. Just a nat- he's he's clearly got a lot of natural athletic ability. So if he if he keeps working hard, man, like, look, am I going to say he's going to win a title with those two freaks of absolute nature at the top? Probably not. Yeah, no. but yeah. oh my god, like <laughs> those two guys. Yeah. He can he can be a good top five heavyweight for a long time, earn some serious cash. Yeah, just he, he's if especially now he will never be on a fucking undercard ever again. I hope not. Anyway, yeah. no, he, should, he shouldn't he have been on this one. Never should be, unless right, unless unless it's some you know crazy stacked um, pay per view event, and like he's the headline of the of the undercard on ESPN, yeah. something like that. But he's he's twenty eight years old. He's not even close to his physical prime for heavyweight. heavyweight I mean, we're talking thirty forty. He, he he could have ten more years in the UFC of just absolutely knocking dudes out. And he's on a four-fight winning streak at the moment. Three out of the four haven't got out of the first round. Okay, his, his you know, his losses are, uh, you know, he had three consecutive losses, but the UFC stuck with him. And, okay, getting getting submitted by Sergey Spivak is no nothing to be ashamed of. Getting knocked out by Junior Dos Santos back in 2018 – nothing to be ashamed of, right? There was the decision loss against Ivanov, but he's come back now, peeled off four great wins, two, including two back-to-back highlight wins. There was the, 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 the amazing one against Greg Hardy. Now this one where he murdered his opponent inside the, inside the cage, done the shoey again. The hype is building around him. His third performance of the night bonus, he's making some coin. Hopefully his contract is quite good. Good for him. Uh, and in, and in terms of what's next in the heavyweight division, yeah, man, get it, get it, get him, get him, Jairzinho Rosenstrike. That is the perfect matchup because he brings his own cachet and, and and reputation. You get those big boys headlining a fight night in the first half of 2022. Let's get that happening. Yeah, music to my ears, but uh, I can't I can't wait for Ngannou and Cyril. Oh my god. There's just so much coming away, but we were just, you know, the UFC closed out the year with their final numbered event, and it was brilliant. <laughs> the whole, the whole cards, top to bottom, there was just so much, so much that delivered, and you know, we just don't have time to go into every other 
every other single fight. But um, we will say, unfortunately, again, the punch drunk parlay didn't get up. Uh, we, we were out of it before Amanda Nunes anyway, because unfortunately, uh, Randy Costa was unable to, uh, to be able to get it done. But some of the other ones came up well. We had Andre Muniz submitting Eric Anders, which, which we picked. We had Tai Tuivasa and Sakai ending in a knockout, which happened. We had Sean O'Malley winning, which happened. So it was on break. You know, uh, that's I'm okay, broke. Adam. That's okay. What, what, what do we say when we're broke? We we take out a loan from a questionable loan shark and we double down at the next UFC pay-per-view. We just keep chasing our losses. As any good responsible gambler does, chase your losses. You're right, you're right. Um, I'm sure mum won't care that she's getting like just a recycled newspaper for Christmas. Well, you know what? Even just take some money off her because, you know, it's essentially she's just keeping that money warm for you anyway. When she uh, when she pops her clogs, that inheritance money is going to be yours anyway. So better better you spend it now than your than your brother wasting it on the GGs or the or the uh, or the dogs. So does it does it really matter no, whether the bookie gets it now or later? Every single point you just made was a great point. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it lost. Fuck you all. If anyone. Every single – the reason that I'm going to defend it is every single fucking multi of the night would have, would have had Amanda Noons in it because that's just a nice little juicy multi-filler. Gets a, I guess those odds up a little bit. So every yeah. single person had Amanda. So every single person lost. So load up on the next one, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, how about that guy? It came up on the broadcast. He tweeted out a big get grand. in. So 300 grand. Oh, my God. I forgot about oh, that, dude. You just said it. I did I see that. I feel it. I can feel it in my nuts right now. Like, oh. Mm. The sickness you would feel when you saw her getting lit up <laughs> with four consecutive jabs. You're like, oh, no. Oh, fuck. Oh, it. oh no. It. Like, I only had 200 grand on the multi, so. <laughs> I feel all right, but um, <sighs> all right. I've still got all my Bitcoin. <laughs> oh uh, dearie me! Um, all right, that's that's uh, that's UFC two sixty nine. Yeah. What a card! What a year! Mate, Brilliant! Pleasure to share it Clap with it you. Up. Clap it up for the UFC putting on just an incredible year of of cards performances, especially. You know, and, and Dana White always gets his criticisms for, for different things and he can bend the truth a little bit and there's always a question about fighter pay and he's brash. One thing he did do was keep the UFC rolling and keep us all bloody entertained. So, you know, gr- great great work from the UFC. Clap um, it yeah. up for the UFC. One of their best years ever and we hope we're going to start to see even bigger contracts. They're signing more and more promotional deals. Let's see this money get back into the pockets of the fighters and let's see them start making some serious money in 2020. And I, I guarantee the first parlay of the year will get up. And I also guarantee that this time next year, this podcast will have gone to another level. Well, obviously we're going to be distributed on Sirius XM in the US, even though we can't get Sirius XM outside of the US. We'll figure it out. Yeah, Don't worry. yeah for sure. We're going to become, in 2022, Punch Drunk Podcast is taking over the MMA podcast. We will be a serious no- podcast. <laughs> We we right now we're the unranked champion, but we're ready. We're the we're the Sean O'Malley of MMA podcasts. We're getting ranked. Yeah, we're just waiting for the big contract, and then we'll start. Then we'll start fucking knocking over the exactly. big dogs. 
Exactly. Um, so we've got one more event to close out the year. It's a good one, man. It's a good one. So let's just quickly talk about this. We'll obviously do a review show of that because there's going to be a lot to talk about. And I think we're going to try and do maybe a little bit of an award show or just some some, some dumb stuff as you've come to expect from here, from us here at Punch Drunk Podcast. But uh, Derek Lewis against Chris Dorcas. Uh, this is really the litmus test for Dorcas. Can he hang at the top of the division? He's been putting guys out. We know Derek Lewis has got s- some of the heaviest hands in the division. Don't blink in that fight. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I I can't pick. There's just no, like with just, like with Ty and, and Sakai. Just enjoy. Watch someone getting flatlined. Just enjoy <laughs> someone getting CTE. Sit back with your popcorn. Been sacrificing. They're probably taking twenty fairly decent years off their life. Whether that be physically, at least it's going to happen mentally. And just appreciate that that they're making this sacrifice for you. And watch someone. Go unconscious. It's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And when you yell at them on the TV for not not engaging or yeah. being slow or anything like that, just 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 remember that um, that they are there to entertain you, and they should do exactly what you say. <laughs> exactly. Um, co-main event on this card again. Something I'm really looking forward to because uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, what a technician, and he gets a matchup against everyone's least favorite fighter, Bilal Muhammad, who. I think he's going to get pieced up in this fight, but his path to victory is getting in close, making this a drag down, dirty boxing, grappling style fight. If he can do that, he can win the fight. And that would be a huge feather in his cap for taking down one of the best at 170 pounds. Um, he's really talked his way into this fight. Good for him. Take every opportunity you can get. He's doing analysis now. He's really becoming one of these sort of mainstream fighters, I guess, below Muhammad, despite not being the most exciting fighter. Stephen Thompson hasn't had a victory, uh, a stoppage victory for a while as well. So I think he'll be looking to make a statement, and that would be a great statement if he could, uh, if he could put old Bilal sure. Muhammad to to sleep. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a very very good fight night card. Yeah, and the last the, the last thing I want to mention on well, there's two more things actually. Look out for Matthias Gamrot, the, the the Polish guy coming in at lightweight here. He's got a lot of hype behind him coming out of the European fight scene. Former KSW champion, which is one of the stronger promotions in Europe. That was what Jan Blachowicz came out of as well. Him against uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira could be an interesting fight here. Um, but the, the the fight that I'm looking forward to the absolute most and not only will be contender for fight of the night, but could be a last minute entry for a fight of the year contender. Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. Oh shit. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) Is, is Cub Swanson versus Darren Elkins. Darren, the damage Elkins just loves to bleed on his opponents and get crazy. And we all know the craziness and the, 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 the wars that Cub Swanson gets in. Will it likely win fight of the year? No, but this fight has serious potential to be fight of the night and be a hell of an entertaining battle for your enjoyment. So do not be late to the start of this card. Make sure you watch it. And quick shout out as well on the undercard. We talk about big heavyweights getting it done. Justin Taffer as well will be looking to make a case for slowly pushing up towards the heavyweight rankings in 2022, going up against Harry Honsucker, who was a previous victim of our boy, Mr. Shui Vasa. And one of the arguably the biggest the biggest event of the fight calendar this year, right at the end of the year, Lewis's favourite fighter, Jake Paul, is uh, fighting Tyron Woodley. <laughs> and 
And uh, just just so I can just so I can title uh, give this podcast a nice clickbait title, and no one will understand oh, it. No one will understand it unless they listen to the whole pod. Will Jake Paul enter the UFC? No, is the answer. But they have to listen <laughs> to find out. So. <laughs> The, the podcast will be called "Is Jake Paul Entering the UFC?" Paul. and uh, only the, only the real ones will know that it was a joke. Only only the true fans of the pod. Yeah, I just can't believe we're getting this. And the fact that Jake Paul had to put up five hundred grand as a bonus to see if Woodley could come and knock him. It's just like nobody needs to see this. Will I watch it? Yeah. Am I going to pay for it? No. Of course, I'm not going to pay for no, it. No, I'll stream that but shit. Stream the shit out of it. It's probably going to suck. I don't know what either guy gets out of this other than making some money. And part of me deep down feels this was a work the whole time with Tommy Fury to 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 find to to legitimize a way to bring yeah. back Ty, to Tyron so Woodley. Sus. Everything's sus. Every it just stinks. It stinks of of a, of a work at least outside of the cage uh, because there was just no appetite for it because Tyron was so bad there was just no no one cared. No one wanted to see it again. But now, oh, he's a late replacement. Oh, there's a knockout bonus. Oh, there's unfinished business. Da 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 da. Right. Okay, Tywin. We're going to need to see five billion dollars for you to get incentivized to throw more than three punches at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Look, I don't want to break down that fight at all, but I'll be doing a thing. If you break strength. down that fight, I will have a breakdown. Like I just. <laughs> no, thank you. We'll do a special app on Christmas Day. <laughs> The Woodley Paul, Woodley Paul two breakdown. <laughs> oh, All right, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, man? Uh, no, not not at this point. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the uh, next fight night. Go back and rewatch UFC two sixty nine again, just for your enjoyment. If you haven't watched it, make sure you get back and watch it because there are some serious serious fights on that card that you need to digest and consume and just enjoy because. What a way for the UFC to close out the year. And with one more event left, really looking forward to that one as well. And look forward to reviewing it here on the Punch Drunk Podcast. Adam, do your thing, boy. At Punch Drunk Pod on Instagram, at Punch Drunk Pod underscore on Twitter, if we're allowed to tweet again. <laughs> Punch Drunk Pod uh, on YouTube. Punch Drunk Pod at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, share us a story you find. Maybe just tell us a great yarn about something that happened in your life that would just be podcast worthy uh pot strike pod on tiktok and five stars please rate review give us five stars on apple if you can if you have an apple device i'm sure you know at least 20 people in your life that own a fucking iphone just go on there for three seconds give us five stars and um, give them their phone back. They won't even yeah. know what's happened. When, when you're in, when you're in your mum's purse stealing money for the next punch drunk parlay, take her phone as well, and um, yeah, get that Apple Podcast rating up there. So a little, little two for one for you. Exactly. You're, you're fishing. And value is what we look for in the parlay, and uh, value is what you get on this podcast. Thank you for <laughs> listening, and uh, good night. See you, mate. See you, mate.